Hey, Unanimous, it's Mr. Jeff here. And Mr. Brandon. And before we get into talking about Sit Out, we want to let you know that next week, Thursday, May 20th, we are going to be the special guests on Tony Home Perm's Naughty or Nice live stream. More nice than naughty in my case. <laughs> Ronkonkoma, Long Island's favorite drag queen, Tony Home Perm, is a listener of this show. She has very good taste and a very high wig. Uh, and we've been invited to uh, ramble on about a 50-year-old British TV show <laughs> on her Facebook Live uh, show. So it's going to be quite exciting. Will it not be, Mr. Jeffrey? It will. It will indeed, yes, Mr. Yes. Brandon. It will. So that's next Thursday, May 20th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter for all the details about how to see us and actually see what we look like. (gasps) Fame becomes us, I think. (laughs) And of course, as always, you've you've all all done done very very well. well. This episode of That Does Suit, Madam, is brought to you by Power Failure Perfume, the new unisex scent from Grace Brothers. Also effective as an insect repellent and hand sanitizer. Find your spouse, neighbor, or anyone else in the dark. Mr. Brandon, are you free? Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Jeff. Hello, you, you. Gertrude? What's the bell's name? <laughs> Gladys. Gladys. <laughs> Same thing. Where is Esmeralda? We have not heard from her in quite a while. Oh, she had a pretty bad accident. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. R.A.P. Esmeralda. She's a bunch of toothpicks now. She was <laughs> made of bamboo. But oh, well, we, we miss her. But uh, yeah, so um, we're moving right along. We're like uh, in the 50th, what, 51st, 52nd episode, 53rd, uh, something. To, I, I didn't go to school for math, so uh, <laughs> 52. This is our 52nd We've episode. We've done a lot of episodes. A lot, yeah. Yeah. And we have still uh, a decent amount to go. Indeed we do. I think we, there's 70 episodes of the main series. So, yeah, we still have uh, quite a while to go. The until sun we never through. sits on the Are You Being Served Empire. <laughs> <laughs> We've been hearing some people. We've been uh, the lovely unanimous. By the way, if you're a new listener, uh, dear listener, you're now called the unanimous, the collective noun for our listenership. Hello. So Mar- Mariah Carey has her lambs, and Lady Gaga has her monsters, and Kesha has her animals, and we have the unanimous. Yes, and that is our little bell friend, and uh, she'll chime in from now and every now and then. So we have been hearing <laughs> from the unanimous, right, that's good. We have been hearing from them, have we not, Mr. Jeff? We have, we have indeed, Mr. Brandon. Thank you all for reaching out on Facebook and on Twitter and uh, please, if you can, remember to leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. That would be great because it really helps the pod reach more people. It means all those gold bars that we keep accepting from the banks, it, it, they come in more quickly. You know, it, one gold bar every couple of weeks just isn't enough. We want two or three each week, okay? In our, in our bank in northern Mississippi, in our yes. compound, absolutely. It's the only yeah. currency they accept at that bank. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> We actually get absolutely yeah. nothing from this podcast, but who knows? Maybe maybe Tesla will sponsor us next week. That would be fun. Wow. I don't know. Tesla, Where did that come from? I like I like the Tesla cars. What can I say? I've 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 ridden in one once. It was in an Uber in Toronto, and I was gobsmacked because I'm not <laughs> I, I'm not a car guy, right? Um, I re- I got a car last year in the beginning of the pandemic, but I hadn't had one. Before that, I didn't grow up with one. So, like, I didn't used to pay attention to cars, couldn't really tell them apart, didn't really care as long as they got me from A to B. You just thought they were but, all taxis, right? Yeah, basically. <laughs> but, you know, you can get, like, a Toyota Celica. Is that even a car they make anymore? I don't know. When you live in New York, people, and you don't have a car, you kind of forget what car. And you, you're so out of the loop. But, yeah. you know, like, if you bought, like, I don't know, a Toyota Corolla. I know that's one they make. That's, like, thirty. For thirty-two thousand dollars, right? For like the souped-up one. I mean, I, I'm like look. 
I'm looking at getting a new car right now. Um, and so I'm looking at getting thing, a car that's like a year or two old. But if I, if I was to buy a new car right now, brand new off the lot, I could get something for anywhere from like fifteen to 25000 Well, and what I'm saying is the new Model 3 from Tesla, yep. like out the door is like 34000 so people, I mean, that's that's a lot of money, but it's not like it's a hundred thousand, you know. That's like tr- that's you can true. get a Toyota with like leather seats or whatever. That's true. You could get a souped-up Toyota for about the same price you could get like an entry-level Tesla. And speaking like, of yeah, nothing whatsoever, um, <laughs> that does suit non sequiturs. It's what I do. Um, did you? Who? Who else among the uh, anonymous listeners? Unanimous. <laughs> Unanimous? Is that what I said? You said anonymous. <laughs> oh, anonymous? Damn. I'm going to edit that shit out. That's that's from when you go behind the bandstand to pitch your wood. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> well, Mr. Humphreys did anyway. So um, who among the unanimous? The anonymous? <laughs> I'm just making things up. Um, had an outage last night on BritBox. Raise your hand. Oh, totally. Yeah. Did you? I did. I did. Um, not avail of my country. It's called BritBox because we like it. Thank you. Yeah. I, Some of I, us pirate it from other people, but that we're not going there. <laughs> I settled in uh, at bedtime with my bedtime stories. Um, and I just got with the your spinning wheel. Because <laughs> right, well, exactly. it's so cold. Um, and <laughs> I ended up having to watch what I usually watch on Hulu. So, Ugh. you know, Sacrifices. I, 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 n- never quite sure which scenes get cut. Um, from certain episodes, but yeah, it's tough so to be us sometimes. No. Um, one of the things that we do get asked about is um, why we say Black Lives Matter as part of our out of our intro, mm-hmm. and I think that um, recent events in the country this week helped to um, unfortunately prove our case. You know why this? Um, why we continue to say it because. Um, there are a lot of people in this country who think they believe that Black Lives Matter, but in the end of the day, they really don't. Um, so breaking news as we are recording this, even though this probably won't hit the podcast verse for another two weeks or so. Um, but in Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, the police officer who murdered uh, Dante, Dante Wright, Wright. Yeah. and the chief of police resigned. Um, good. Good, but... They should have been fired. Um, the police officer should never be able to touch a gun again, either professionally or personally, if she can lose uh, situational awareness easy enough to c- confuse it with a taser. Um, but you know, the fact that the police department was able to put out the press release so quickly admitting it was a mistake yeah. makes me think she's going to get off. Especially because she's, she is or was, I don't know if this also impacted, the head of the local police union. She was the president of the union. Now, I don't know. I'm not, um, I will never try to, to make it sound like I know the ins and outs of policing in this country. I, I but, hear you, yes. But I know there's something called unqualified immunity or qualified. Qualified, I, I Im- qualified yeah. immunity. And does yeah. that mean basically like if I'm a cop and I shoot someone by mistake that I'm immune from that. Is that what that, that means? That's what that means, yeah. Wow. It, it's, you know, kind of like, it's similar to what diplomats receive, how they can jay- jaywalk without any kind of repercussions or commit other crimes. Or, you know, shoot someone and yeah, you know, exactly. kill their life. Yeah, it's weird. But that I'm glad you brought that up because we do always bring up Black Lives Matter. And sadly, you know, there are times when we record the show that, that day, for all the entire daytime, we've been awake. We've been hearing in the news about yet another black man, yet another black woman has been killed by, you know, an unarmed person has been killed by a police officer. Yeah, and I mean, ju- just yesterday they had to interrupt cover- coverage of Dante Wright's murder with a school shooting in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's Knoxville, like- Tennessee, yeah. So, well, I, I <sighs> you're right. And I, I, I like that we include the Black Lives Matter. And, you know, we do hear from you unanimous that you think that's great and that social justice and being aware of the world is a good thing. So yeah. we love to bring the 
the overlap of are you being served and kind of make a fostering a community of people who share our views on this. So that's yeah, great. you know, we, we have we have this tiny little platform into the world. And big, big platform, <laughs> big. And I think that both Brandon and I, as white people, we'd be doing a disservice to the rest of the world if we didn't use any kind of platform that we have to um, try and be better allies to people of color. So, you know, stop anti-Asian hate, Black Lives Matter. We're going to continue to say this over and over. Um, and yeah, that will, that will also continue to say you've all you've done, all done very, very well. well. <laughs> yes. And, you know, um, we did a, a podcast. Uh, gosh, it seems like a year ago. Um, but it may have been a year ago because we started this about a year ago. Oh, my about, gosh. About a year ago, because I, I feel like it was the beginning of April. I have to go back and check on our Facebook. But I feel like it was the very beginning of April that we did this. We started. Well, that's very it's, – it's possible that we have been doing this for a year. But what I, I mean, now, probably six or seven, eight months now ago, I don't remember when, there was some horrible event. And either like a trans person got killed or some horrible bill was passed in any number of the states or something – or, you know, a black man was shot and killed. I mean, there's so many things, it's overwhelming that you forget because they're so all over right. the place, right? Um, but that episode, we 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 did a special sponsor for that oh, episode. Oh, no, we, we, we did that after George George Floyd's murder. That's okay, because I remember it was like the entire day and like Mr. Jeff and I were just like raw and we actually yeah. considered not recording an episode that day because I think that day of his murder was the day we always record the podcast. And for that episode, we um, we, we dedicated, we, we were sponsored at that time, uh, we, we dedicated that moment of the podcast to a nonprofit where, you know... The Ochre Project, the that's right. The Ochre, the Ochre Project, that's what it was, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, maybe in the future we do something like that for like um, uh, a person of color, Black Lives Matter fundraiser or something. Who knows? We'll... we'll um, in fact, that's a cool thing. Maybe we ask the, the folks on Facebook, like, what nonprofit would you like us to support or something? Yeah, absolutely. If, if you have a favorite, um, if you have a favorite nonprofit or charity that uh, you think is, is um, you want to let the rest of the unanimous know, uh, get in touch with us on Facebook or call the hotline and yeah. um, we'll look into it. Good one. I, yeah. Good, good, good idea, Brandon. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> so, Mr. Jeff, why the hell are we listening to this podcast? What do the people want to learn and really hear about? So we should get off our soapbox now and talk <laughs> about this, the show. All right. Exactly. So tonight we're talking about series eight, episode four, "Sit Out," and this originally premiered on April thirtieth, nineteen eighty one, and that week in the news, Xerox introduced the computer mouse to the market. But Mr. Jeff, Xerox makes copy machines. That they don't make <laughs> mice. What are you talking about? Yeah, they used to make. They used to be big in the computer game uh, back when everyone was trying to get a piece and figure out how to uh, mass market these whole big Univac machines that used to take up an entire room into like the little personal computer that fit on your desk. And you know, I watched a documentary once on Xerox or you know the copy industry that was like a huge revolution like absolutely before people wouldn't be able to i mean i guess you could make copies but it was like that stenograph thing that had the purple ink ronioed and ronioed and ronioed (laughs) and now the ink is fading out okay yeah no (laughs) absolutely um also that week professional tennis champion billy jean king was sued for support by Marilyn Barnett, a woman who had stated in her complaint that they were lesbian lovers. And after initially denying it, King admitted to the affair and came out um, uh, a couple of days later. So this so was cool. this was kind of yeah this was you know obviously an unfortunate incident yeah, yeah. that their that their um, relationship ended. But this is when they're actually trying to take to court that like this relationship was just as valid as a marriage and. Marilyn needs alimony. So 1981. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 Billie Jean is Billie Jean King is really cool. Like if you don't know much about her story, 
And there's an amazing movie all about Billie Jean King, and I can't remember who's in it. Um, It's uh, Emma Stone who plays Billie Jean King in Battle of the Sexes. Oh, yes, and and it has Steve Carell as like Steve Carell, exactly. Yeah. It's such a good movie. The opponent. The opponent. The opponent. (laughs) Sorry. I don't mean to insult the assholes out there. He didn't play John McEnroe, did he? Oh, I don't remember. That wasn't who Billie Jean King played against, was it? But I'll say, like, the story of Billie Jean King, she came out as a lesbian. I mean, obviously, like, her lover was kind of suing her kind of for alimony. Yeah. But um, 19, I think the, the battle of the sexes was in 1979 or eight or something. I don't remember, but Maybe. Like the fact that she came out and she was like, I'm not going to let this, this chauvinist sex sexist guy do all these things. And of course he did it for attention and he was like playing it up for, but he was also saying this things that women are mm-hmm. terrible. They should be in the kitchen and blah, blah, blah. Proud feminist, hashtag feminist podcast here. Um, but the fact that she put herself out there, like it's all in the movie. So I encourage you all to watch it. But yep. crazy, Indeed. crazy week. And then finally, Sheena Easton's song Morning Train 9 to 5 hit number one after her appearance on the reality TV documentary series The Big Time. I don't know what that means. Couple things to unpack here. You know the song Morning Train. No. My baby takes the morning train. He works from nine to five, and then he takes the, another one home again. You know, the sing song. it. I'm not going to sing it. We've gotten emails from the unanimous saying we want to hear Mr. Jeff sing. Can you auto tune in post? Yes. <laughs> okay, because I will be probably half a note sharp on that. My baby takes the morning train. See, okay, he that's works. it. Uh, yeah. da, 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 da. That's right. all we needed to hear. So couple of things to unpack with that one. So the song was originally called 9 to 5, but they had to rename it because Dolly, Part- Dolly Parton's song <laughs> 9 to 5 was also released at a similar time. So it got the parenthetical, right? So the big time was, was one of the first reality series in Britain. What they would do is they would find someone who was either notable or won a contest for something and kind of follow them around as they tried to like make it big time. So in this instance, okay. in this instance, you know, they followed Sheena Easton around as like she launched her singing career and she was on the show and then immediately hit the top of the charts after that. But this was the vehicle that ended Franny um, Craddock's career <gasps> because one of the people who were featured on it was a contest winner who was invited to cook this banquet for like the ambassador to Burma and all these important VIPs and Franny Craddock was one of the like guest mentors. And so the the woman on the other TV show. Right. And so the, the, the woman, um, you know, told them what her menu was and cooked a sample meal for the guest mentors and everyone raved about it. Except Franny Craddock said, your dessert just won't work for this VIP crowd. You're in the big leagues now, dear. So you can't just make this like, sticky toffee pudding or like whatever you were <laughs> going to try and do thing, right yeah. you have to like do this fanciful thing with like fruits and sponge sugar and all of this and serve it in this really um uh oddly shapen vessel right mm-hmm. okay. and so the woman took her advice and basically ruined the dessert like it was unservable and the ambassadors went without dessert and franny craddock was the one who bore the brunt of it for having oh given this, this person the advice. And it, it ended her career. It's like, what if Simon Cowell gave really bad advice and it backfired and then his career died because of it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, pretty much. Crazy. So that was a very eventful week. A very eventful week. It was. It wasn't, it was indeed, Mr. Brandon. Hmm. So the show opens and over the opening credits, we see the staff all reading leaning on counters and miss Brahms is even sitting down. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. Right. And it's been a while since I've seen this episode. So I'm like, well, maybe they're all there early and they're waiting for the opening bell to start. Right. Yeah. And after the credits, they, we see that they're all working on different crosswords. Right. And so not a very busy day in the floor. No, not at all. So Mrs. Slocum, uh, gives the first one uh, clerical part of chicken seven and four. So, for our non, break it down for our American listeners, myself um, included, because I don't know what this means. 
British British crosswords are different than American crosswords, right? They okay. they will they will word the phrase in a very um uh, in a very cryptic way and then give you the number of letters in it because sometimes they're two word, three word or multiple word answers. So when it says okay. seven four, it's a two word answer, seven letters and four letters. Oh, that's what right? that means. Okay. Right. So like um, rocking chair would be R O C K I N G. I should have chosen a better word. Happy cat. H A P P Y. So that'd be five three. Happy cat. Right. Exactly. Right. See, I just did math. And so the answer the answer for this one is Parsons nose, right? Because the Parsons nose is that part of the chicken that is um, that connects the breastbone to the um, to the the breastbone to the tailbone, and okay. it's got that little sweet piece of meat with the the skin that hangs over it, and that's that's one of those things that it's one of the parts of the chicken that um, people often try and claim because they want to eat it because it's a very delectable piece of meat. And but a why parson, is it clerical? I don't get that. Well. A parson is a person in the church, like a priest. Right, right. Oh, so, clerical. Cleric, I was thinking of right. like stenography Secretary. and secretarials. Right. But that's the point. That's how the British do their crosswords. Like another famous thing that they'll do is they'll tack on an ER to an end of a word mm-hmm. and try and make it sound like another word is part of the clue. For example, they would have one that would be like um, – Irish flower, six. But it's not actually flower, it's flower. And that's like the key, that's like a, a code word for a river. So, like, the answer to that would be Liffey, because they're talking about a river in Ireland. I'm, not I'm a flower. feeling not especially <laughs> Mensa, Mency. Is that the word? Mency's is a different thing. Altogether. I was going to say, you beat me to it. I was just about to make a joke. That means gonads, I think. About 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 uh, four three coming to town this month. Oh my god! <laughs> Look that up, people. Yeah. Um, oh my god. So Peacock dismisses Mrs. Slocum and Mr. Humphreys. Uh, chit chat about their like basically junior amateur hour crossword because he's trying to do a difficult clue in the times right found in an ancient greek bath two words beginning with a and p and mrs slocum guesses a plug hole <laughs> and i love Thank how you. um how smug captain peacock is um i, I guess everyone else is doing like a really like a, a, a like the TV guide, the TV guide. Cross, yeah, just like an easy right. one, and he's of course has to be better than everyone else. Right. He's doing one from the Times, and then he says, "You know, I, I can't get this one." And then Mrs. Slocum says, "Well, what is it? We will see if we can help." And he says, "I doubt it." What an asshole! <laughs> right? What <laughs> a pompous character, pompous ass! Right? Yeah. Meanwhile, Miss Brahms pipes up very nonchalantly, like everyone should know this. Archimedes principle. And we get a little bit of a gasp from the what? audience. I know. Yeah. So like um, something do you to remember, do. Do you remember what Archimedes principle is? Um, is it something about like the, the, the degree, how cold things and warm things mix so that they equalize? No. No, but you're in the right arena. A Greek bath. The way to cut marble? I don't know. It, ha- it has to do with displacement, right? The idea is that Archimedes filled his bathtub up to the rim, sat in it, and water spilled over. And so he figured out, oh, mass displaces other mass. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Miss Brahms figured that out because she read it on a matchbook cover once. Never to betray her... East London Docklands roots, right? Yeah, it just seems almost like I know I'm criticizing this golden TV show, which is infallible, but... How dare you? That's my job. I know. But it seems like they could have said something like, oh, I'm taking these new brain pills... Oh, right, yeah. And then... they, totally, they totally could have made... They, you're absolutely right. This was an opportunity to make it <laughs> much funnier and not dumb down Miss Brom so much. And then somehow it would have been... It turns out that they're just Tic Tacs or like the equivalent right. of, right? I'm with you 100%. <laughs> we should... I think what we're, what we're really saying is we should start a TV production company and write some scripts 
Just come to us, Hollywood. That's the so, second time I've mentioned that on the podcast, by the way. So write to your friend, uh, Mr. Um, Mr. Elon there over at Tesla. Yeah. Tell him to hurry up with the time machine so we can go back to the 1970s and knock on Jeremy Lloyd and David Croft's door and be like, look, we have all these great ideas for this show and we will improve upon it. Well, Tesla, uh, Elon Musk or whatever, maybe he just funded it, came out the other day that he has a new technology that allows monkeys to 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 control things with their mind, so it's all oh, going to happen. Jesus Christ! Why not? Why not? I, for one, welcome our new monkey overlords. <laughs> all hail the banana people! <laughs> we cut to Mr. Rumble's <laughs> office, and um, he didn't finish his tea because it had too many tea leaves. It turns out that old Mr. Grace has been buying seconds from Hong Kong. Now, <laughs> defective tea bags because they're cheaper. Right. Now, do we have an episode where somebody reads the tea leaves? Doesn't Mr. Humphreys read the tea leaves at some point? I think so. Yeah. Where he, he takes the he takes the cup and dumps it over in the saucer and reads it. Oh, you know what? I it has old Mr. Gra- uh, young Mr. Grace in it. So it must be coming up. Because I know he's not around, but I remember his tea leaves being read. Or maybe it's already happened. I don't know. Well, it would have to have happened in Roots if that was going to happen. With young Mr. Grace, because that's the oh, only episode that's with him true, left. that's true, because he's, like, trying to figure out who he is for his memoir. Yeah. That's what it is, because he's like, I don't know much about my family. Well, I read tea leaves. Let me have your tea. Well, in the episode where Mr. Humphreys could read palms, was there a bit about him reading tea leaves as well? No, oh, right? Because that would have been too much. Anyway, okay. So uh, Peacock brings in the mid-morning sales figures and writes a big old zero on a piece of paper. (laughs) And that explains why they've been sitting around all day doing crossword puzzles, because they haven't had a customer at all, right? Right. And he starts giving uh, excuses uh, why. And these aren't dog ate my homework excuses, but could be like realistic business reasons, you know. The recession, the minimum lending rate has not been cut, the Russians are still in Afghanistan, Oil is up $3 a barrel. The share index is down. But most of all, the rain has been tiddling down all morning, right? It, it's bad weather. No one's going to go shopping. I'll leave their house to go shopping in the middle of the week for... It, well, it's weird because rain. you would think that they live in London, England. Like, it's They're always... They're used to the rain, tidd- right? Yeah, but it's weird because when they say tiddling, it's the most salacious word the audience has ever heard in their lives. Right. Because they just giggle. Because I think it means pee-pee, you know, like right. tinkle. But, right. my God, they were like crazy about it so did anything from um miss from captain peacock's rant remind you of a pop culture song or better yet do you remember learning about any of these historical events from a pop culture song i'm a big pet shop boys fan and um i'm trying to think of the song it's all right i think they talk about a dictator uh, social unrest in Ifga- Afghanistan, south of South Asia is on the brink of starvation, and it's gonna be all right. I totally didn't put two and two together. I had a completely different. But, I mean, song. how how many pop songs are there with the word Afghanistan in it? But, well, the uh, well the phrase specifically Russians in Afghanistan. Oh, I guess not. Billy Joel's "We Didn't Start the Fire." Oh. Where it lists all those historical events and Russians in Afghanistan is one of them. When it deals with the uh, the late 80s verse at the end. Because um, I believe right after that is Wheel of Fortune, Sally Ride, Heavy Metal Suicide. Yeah. Oh my God. That's blast from the past. Right. Old Mr. Grace calls up to get uh, the mid-morning sales figures Ugh. and Rumbold repeats the same exact thing to him. And Old Mr. Grace is not happy about it. So Rumble decides he's going to go out on the floor and Captain Peacock says, okay, I'll go tell the staff you're annoying. Nope, I want to see exactly what they're doing. So Spooner sees that he's on his way. They start to shuffle and Rumble and Peacock announces very loudly, yes, Mr. Rumble, you know, while it has been slow, while it's been slow, we've been tidying ourselves up, like, right? Hey, everyone, we, quickly, he's coming. You know? He's coming, right? <laughs> yeah. And, well, if you've been tidying up, what's this newspaper doing here? Oh, oh a customer left it behind. Oh, 36 Copthorne Avenue. That's your address, isn't it, Peacock? So, we found out where Captain Peacock character lives. <laughs> and so, Mr. Jeff is so happy. <laughs> so, here's the deal. There, is, there actually is a 36 Copthorne Avenue. And you researched the shit out of it, didn't you? 
and I have. <laughs> it is located in Ilford, which is part of London. It is part of Greater London, but okay. it's in the far, far east. Like, it doesn't have a London postcode. It has its own postcode IG, and it's basically okay. in, in Essex. It's, like, so close to the edge of the border of London. Um, at 36 Copthorne Avenue is a three-bed, one-bath, semi-detached house. That okay, was so accurate. That was last sold in 1998 for £130,000, which would be worth £278,000 today. Okay. But its valuation today is worth £431,000 or $592,000. So since 1998, so that's 21, so 23 years, 23, 24. Right. It's, it's basically doubled in value. Less than I thought it would be, Right. Uh, it, it's doubled in value when you take into account for inflation, but when, but not, it's tripled or trebled uh, for not taking into account inflation. We yeah. should put a plaque on the side of the of the building. Captain Peacock yeah. once lived here. So he's he's got <laughs> quite the long commute, actually, out, out of everybody. Right, he's got either a twenty minute walk to uh, the Hainault tube station or a short bus ride to the Woodford tube station. And then he's got to sit on the central line for 40 minutes before getting to bank and walking up um, to Marylebone from there. That was a very thorough, Mr. Jeff. <laughs> um, Thank you. Thank you. He, not only do we give you a quality program, uh, a podcast uh, listeners, but Mr. Jeff is calculating the, the, the commutes for each one of the, uh, of the players on this team. We actually, you once had an episode where you'd, you'd explain the different routes that Mrs. That Miss Brahms could take to go home and Mr. Yep. Lucas, I think. Yeah. And the best yeah, place that she would probably go shopping for cheese on, on her <laughs> route home too, which was very astute. Well, we all know that she wouldn't have gone to Waitrose. I mean, Waitrose, first of all, didn't exist back then. <laughs> but anyway. Um, so Mr. Humphreys comes up with an excuse why um, this newspaper that a customer supposedly left behind has Captain Peacock's address on it. Mm. So a customer came in looking for golf clubs and they of course don't sell any, but the customer remembered playing around with Mr. Humphreys at Glen Eagles and everybody in the audience left. I did not get this joke and I couldn't figure it out. Right. Glen Eagles is a golf course in Scotland and I didn't quite pick up what. Yeah. I didn't the joke either. There. Um, I don't know. I can't get it. That's that's yeah. we're failing you as a as a podcast. I'm afraid everyone. Right, and and Mr. Humphreys um, gave Captain Peacock's as a ruse because he didn't want you know to lead him on or whatever. So, um, Rumble somehow buys that excuse and just <laughs> moves on to the and just moves on to the fact that customers aren't buying right, and they all start making excuses and and Miss um, Brom suggests that the customers leave as soon as they see Captain Peacock. It's his forbidding stare. So they go into one of their role plays, and then right, they, they and, and then after they, she says that he the camera points to Captain Peacock and he's doing where his he gives where he gives stare. a forbidding stare. It's so cute, yeah. He's very good, uh, Frank Thornton, when he needs to be. I mean, he's good all the time, but yeah, so funny. So they do one of their role play things where they try and do a motion study of <laughs> how they can improve sales, right? So Mr. Humphreys is going to be the um, the floor walker or the greeter. And Mr. Rumbold and Mrs. Slocum are going to role play as customers. We've been married for 10 years. We know what we want, but we don't know where to find it. Well, it must be magic being married to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the audience really likes that one. You know, they've played couples before. They were in the, the, the royal the, the appointment episode where uh, the queen well, was supposed to come. That was Captain Peacock who played um, Prince Philip, rest in peace. Um, and uh, Mrs. Slocum played the queen, right? Right, yeah. So they do 77 pounds of business, and both Mrs. Slocum and Miss Brahms look quite proud of themselves for having done such a good job in front of their boss. But Captain Peacock says, well, perhaps we can try this again with more uncooperative customers, right? Okay, yeah, makes sense. And so they, they um, so Mr. Rumble gives them direction, okay, remember that you're playing a typical suburban customer. And uh -oh. Captain Peacock gets his goat up. He, I object to the word suburban. I prefer upper middle class. So Mr. Rumbold has a three-pronged test if someone is suburban or not. Yes. Does your, does your house have two bathrooms? Do you have any gnomes in your garden? 
<laughs> and are you in walking distance of a Metropolitan Line train station? So, first of all, lies. Lies, lies, lies. Captain Peacock does not live anywhere near the Metropolitan Station, the Metropolitan Line. He's all the way in the east in Essex, and the only thing around is um, the Central Line. The Metropolitan Line runs from Aldgate, which is the next stopover from um, Liverpool Street in, in City Center, all the way to the northeast. It goes nowhere near where uh, Peacock is in Elford. They lied. Jeff caught you. Are you being served? <laughs> so Captain Peacock and Mrs. Silkham <laughs> do, do the, the um, go through the motions about um, being very um, argumentative with the sales staff or trying to help them. Um, you can't have Madam walking around with an old bag on her arm. Why not? I have for years. But I want to go back. So so why why do you think two... Bed bathrooms make someone suburban or not suburban. Well, if you li- if you have two bathrooms, you're posh because you can afford a very expensive house back then, right? Yeah. So if you have two bedrooms, that means you are not suburban. Or if you have bathrooms, two, if you bathrooms. have two ba- two bathrooms, you are not suburban. Correct. Right. So if you have two, so all right, because it's interesting living in the city. Because when you, when I when I think of suburban, maybe this is American British thing, I think of suburbs meaning I don't live in the city center. Well, it's it's not that it's not that Captain Peacock wants to pretend that he lives in the city center. It's the word suburban, which has the connotation of um, someone who can't afford to live close to London. Oh, I see. So if you have two bedrooms. But bathrooms. live where I keep saying bedrooms. If he has if he has two bathrooms, but he lives where he lives on the outskirts of London, would he then not consider himself suburban? As long as he didn't have gnomes in his garden, right? Because <laughs> that that's that's the real bit there in terms of like it's, it's a class being, thing there. It's yeah. a class thing, exactly. And of course, I like how he's trying to diminish it. Well, we just have two small ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. He does. He does another bit where Humphreys offers them a see-through nighty, and Peacock asks, "You have one of corrugated iron instead." <laughs> so Mrs. Slocum does that thing when she's role playing and pretending. She throws herself into the character. And she and goes overboard. Be- yeah, starts beating her husband with her purse. They all are. They are all arguing when Old Mister Grace comes down to see what's going on with his own eyes, and he is mm-hmm. very upset. He is going to cut all their wages by ten percent and move them to the bargain basement. And you can oh, see that they're all flu- flustered the height and of embarrassed and insulted. Absolutely. Yeah. If only they were in a union. That was such a big revelation that I think we need to take a break and go down to the canteen and get a cup of tea to calm our nerves. Yes, I, I, I definitely need something after that. 10% bargain basement? <laughs> and I am unanimous in that. So we'll be right back after a quick on nip down to the canteen. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. So, Mr. Brandon, what did you have down in the canteen? You know, I was craving some something like from a plowman's lunch, and I had some delicious little crackers. I had some really super aged, um, sharp, sharp, sharp cheddar, and then I put a little bit of Branston pickle on top of Ooh. it, and that was a humdinger, as the kids say. What about you? I just had a plowman. 
Oh, <laughs> is that why yeah. he left his lunch? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the rest of this, so the staff are in the canteen themselves and they're all commiserating, you know, what will they say about us in the trade? Oh, that's the worst. That's the thing they're all worried about is their reputation. Because there's, because there is a newspaper or a magazine dedicated to salespeople and clothing stores and they're going to learn that. Grace Brothers, ladies and gents, have been moved to the bargain basement. Ugh, Captain, Captain Peacock says that he'll be the laughing stock of Swan and Edgar's. Why didn't Humphrey get this joke? Right, because we already know that Swan and Edgar's was a cruising ground that they've already made I reference agree. to That's in a great, previous a great series. Point. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, Mr. Humphrey says that his mother will have to resign from the co-op, which is hysterical. Do we want to explain why that's so cute? Because do we have co-ops? Yeah, co-ops, it's it's... It's now in the UK, it's now like just like a grocery store. Like you can go in and buy and whatever. But I think back in the 70s and 80s and probably before, it wasn't something you could just waltz in and buy stuff from. You'd have to like Mm -hmm. volunteer your time and it's kind of a cooperative kind of thing. Um, But as volunteering your time as being uh, working there for like one day a month or something or one afternoon, you get to get really, really cheap and high quality um, produce and groceries. And you can shop there. So it's sort of like the place where, like, your mom might go who's, you know, she's kind of a stay-at-home mom, but she wants to get out, and she meets her friends, so she does the co-op. And it's sort of cute that, like, she's so shamed that she'll have to resign from the grocery <laughs> store thing. Right. Oh, poor Mrs. Mrs. Humphreys. Mrs. Uh, Mr. Grossman says that he's going to look for another job, foreshadowing. Mm, that's um, right, because he soon leaves. And Miss Brahms, you know, says that she's, you know, she, Captain Peacock says that Miss Brahms will probably make out all right because she's going to get married soon and her husband will be able to keep her in the manner to which she's become accustomed. And she goes, I don't want that. You know, I'm looking for Dallas and all I'm getting is Coronation Street. <laughs> oh, my God. That yeah. sentence is such like an encapsulization of... What it 1981 probably... working class London. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, because Coronation Street, like, we've talked about a lot about it. It's quite, it's stepped up its game, obviously, from 1981. It's super slick, super beloved. And, of course, Dallas hasn't been on the air for 30 years, for 40 years. But, but, but Cor- yeah, Coronation Street, Coronation Street, I think that my perception of it, at least, it's still, it, it's, it's a, a step above the working class of EastEnders. Right. EastEnders obviously came out much, much later, um, started in 85, I believe. But I feel like Albert Square and everyone there, I feel like it's very working class. Whereas on Coronation Street, you have, you know, a lot of people who are business owners and like new media and like Mm. people are, you know, a lot of people are being educated and going to university. But of course, this well, is there's still 1981. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've seen That's the old true. school Coronation Street, um, you know, it was I, very working class. Yeah, yeah. Well, not that. Just like the, the quality of the show. Of course, it was 1981. No show. Dallas wasn't especially nicely made, but it certainly looked a lot slicker. You know, yeah, because it was true. filmed in L.A. and blah blah blah. But you know, ITV, the company that produces uh, Coronation Street which is sort of like the hip older brother of the BBC, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, they've put millions and millions of pounds invested for Coronation Street. Um, I actually went to the, to, the, to the set where they film it, and it's really, really cool, but it's, it's def- the TV show has definitely ascended in the rank of, of respectability mm-hmm. in the UK since 81, I think. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, but Mr. Humphreys tops that joke with, well, all I'm getting is Jack and Nori. Um, and that is a reference to a children's program to encourage reading where they'd have celebrities either come on and read the story or they'd have people come and act out a story over a series of parts. So he's not um, even getting Coronation Street, Mr. Humphreys. He's just getting like a child. He's getting reading rainbow, basically. Basically, <laughs> right. I, I, I wonder if, I, I've, if I've told the unanimous this already. Um, that I was on Reading Rainbow when I was You a kid. were not. I was. I was. The book I read was called The Reason for a Flower by Ruth Heller. Uh, and it was on an episode about the life cycle of the honeybee. Reading Rainbow. <laughs> what was it called again? The Reason for a Flower. And the reason for the flower was Jeff. 
<laughs> yes, you, yes, unanimous. If you do um, Google it, I think the clip is on YouTube. Um, if you look hard enough, you can find it. Oh, you're famous. See, he's also famous, uh, unanimous. Very exciting. So did you know that, I think, it's, I think it might be Radio 4 or one of the other BBC radio stations, that they have celebrities still come on reading bedtime stories to children. I did not. That's so cute. And, like, all of the major celebrities will, like, record a, a, you know, a short children's book that takes 15, 20 minutes to read. And you can tune in at, like, 8 p.m. or whatever it is and hear, like, the children's the nighttime story being read every night. That's adorable. Isn't it? I know that the Mickey Mouse will do the same, but, of course... You you probably also have to pay like four ninety nine a minute for that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. One nine hundred Mickey. <laughs> well, that's a very very different Mickey one, at right? night. So it's actually uh, it's not the radio. I'm sorry. It's on CBBS the the TV station, and so I guess when they close for the night, uh, they read it. So um, Tom Hardy read "There's a Bear in My Chair." Dolly Parton read Dog Loves Books. Um, Pearl Mackie read Pink Lion. Like, there's, there's a lot that are out there. Yeah. Anyway, so um, back to our show. And <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they're, they're still commiserating about the 10% pay cut. Mrs. Silkham says, well, I can't afford to take this pay cut. And Mr. Spooner comes in with the pussy joke. He says, you could make it up. You could send your pussy out to work. Um, okay, what do you feel about that? I don't know how I feel about anybody else besides Mrs. Slocum saying pussy, um, right? What does your spreadsheet say? There's a whole <laughs> analysis and algorithm that has to be pushed through. I, I, I don't know. I mean, the joke, I feel like we also got half a punchline, right? Because obviously the entendre is uh, make her into a sex worker, right? Yeah. In order to earn the money. But I feel like in order for the joke to... In order for Spooner to have earned the right to tell the joke, <laughs> he needed to tell what Tittles would have actually done. Like, would she have been like a, a rat, ch- a mouse catcher? Would she have been like a message delivery, like a homing pigeon? <laughs> homing like, kitty. what kind of job? Right. I think he thought he needed to, like, he needed to, like, save his face by naming the job that the cat would have done. So and I, I feel have, like the, I have a hot I feel like take. Mr. Lucas would have said that. Go yes. for it. My hot take is, so this is the eighth season. So this is since the beginning of the episodes in season one. That was 1973, two? Sure. So this is season eight. But remember, there was like a year and a half between seasons. So this is like nine or ten years have gone by since the beginning. Not to say as one gets older that the spark of life starts to fade away. But <laughs> okay. In this episode, I noticed Molly Sugden as as um, Mrs. Slocum. She started to sound like old Mrs. Slocum. Because if you think about Grace and Favor, Are You Being Served Again? It's her, but she doesn't sound the same because she's gotten older and people's voices change right. as you get older. But I noticed that she started to sound like the older Mrs. Slocum in this episode. And I noticed mm. that Miss um, Brahms, Wendy Richard kind of started feeling like that too so i'm wondering as we do these episodes in season eight we've like we're picking it apart like why is it different i wonder if they're just getting a little older you know that i i don't think that's so much as a hot take as it is accurate i think you could be very <laughs> right with that one yeah we know that there are other episodes coming up where they are very animated right and i think let's let's keep that let's table that point and consider that um, when they come up, especially when we get to um, season ten, mm, right? Okay. So the 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 real the fan favorites of season ten. Let's let's look back on that and see just how um, subdued our our friends at Grace Brothers are. Yeah, and right? that's interesting about the 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 pussy joke because um, as Mister Spooner kind of says it, I'm almost wondering if as the folks get a little older, maybe. The young guy will come in and, like, have some oh, life to the whole mix. Okay. But you never know. Yeah, but it's Spooner, so he doesn't really do that <laughs> He's great. just anyway, happy to be there. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so Captain Peacock is is the most upset of all of this, right? And he's feeling militant. So he suggests a sit-in. And so he's never one to go to suggest any of this oh, yeah. unionist action. You know, usually that is Mr. Harmon or before him, Mr. Mash. Um, but they all agree that um, this is probably the best thing to do. So they decide they're going to go up on the roof to um, alert the public to their grievances. Mm -hmm. But because they don't have someone like a Mr. Harmon to lead them, they don't know what they're doing. They just meet on the roof 930 the next morning and they don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> they just look at each other, right? Like, what, what are we what are we doing? Right. So before they meet on the roof, they do stop at, on the floor for the lift doors to open. Rumbold's yelling at them, where, where have you been? It's time to go. They all give him the two-finger salute, blow a raspberry, and continue onto the roof. So Rumbold knows something is up, but he doesn't know quite what, right? Right. But, so they get to the roof. They board the door shut behind them so that no one can come and stop them. And then they, they need to figure out what to do. So they start with a slogan to shout, down to the street for people to hear them. So Mrs. Slocum comes up with Grace Brothers unfair to salespersons. But they don't do it in unison. They all shout at the same time and it doesn't sound right. So of course Peahawk rehearses them, conducts <laughs> and it. And he's the leader. And it sounds great, but they don't have enough volume to reach the streets. Okay. Right. So next they try making a paper airplane with a list of their demands. Uh, Mr. Humphreys knows how to do it because he used to do them in Mixed Infants, which is um, kindergarten, I think, right? Yeah. Um, and one landed on the boy's desk uh, next to him, who still writes from a Benedictine monastery from time to time. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to do the, the slogan just for the fun of it? Sure. One, two, three. Grace Brothers, Grace Brothers Unfair to Salespersons. Sales no, no, Mr. Brandon, Mr. Brandon, you're doing unfair on one syllable, oh. right? It has oh, to be two. Yes, like, I'm so sorry. Grace Brothers Unfair to Salespersons. Yes, we have to do the hands, too. That's right. <laughs> right. Um, so Mr. Spooner finds a pot of paint, and they decide they're going to paint their slogan on the wall. No one is volunteering to get hung upside down. And we get Mrs. Silicon giving a great week as water, week as water. Can I just say how weird it is that the British people say pot of paint and a instead pot of, of yogurt instead yeah. of a can or a cup? It just drives me crazy. Anyway. <laughs> um, she starts painting the G upside down because she doesn't think to like reverse <laughs> her painting. Uh, and then she gets a little dizzy. So they have to pull her back and she drops the paint on a policeman. Oh boy. She has, she's yeah. always dropping things on people on the show, right? Yeah. Nearly killing a, 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 a the queen right? regicide or whatever. <laughs> um, Spooner finds some rope and they decide to string up Humphreys and lower him down to Mr. Grace's window. So he could tell them what's going on. Right. <laughs> uh, Mr. Mr. Grace has a new applicant for a new assistant secretary who is played by Virginia Edwards. And she was on Jack and Ori. Oh. She was, she acted out one of the bedtime stories. Oh, that's there, funny. Yeah? That's cool. Um, Mr. Humphreys is swinging outside his window. Uh, are you practicing to be a fairy? I didn't know you needed practice. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, we're on the roof and we're not coming down until our demands are satisfied. And old Mr. Gray says, well, I'm a very, in a very similar situation. Now go away. Because his secretary is like on his knee. secretary on his knee. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Right. They hear sirens on the roof and they think the police are coming to get them for throwing the paint on them. <laughs> so they decide they're going to throw bricks down the ventilator shaft. Oh, how their tactics have escalated. Like, why would they throw bricks down to, like, damage the ventilation system when all they were trying to do was get their message across? Like, all of a sudden, like... It's gone all the way up, right? I guess, like, um, maybe because the fact that Americans usually don't think about having unions. But as an American, I'm thinking these people are all instantly fired. But I guess if with the union, you right. can't be instantly fired, which is one of the many reasons why I think being in a union would be really cool. Right? Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. If they weren't protected by a union... Um, this would have never, you know, I can't imagine this playing out in modern day America, right? <laughs> yeah. So they go to open the ventilator shaft and they see Harmon, mm -hmm. who gets, who has gotten word of what they were doing. And he says, you know, we are the packing department. We're behind you. We're going to discuss it at our next meeting. Um, and Captain Peacock keeps asking, well, what are you going to do to help us now? We're going to do what all good unions do in an emergency. 
Put the kettle on. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have some tea. Right. Yeah. They hear some noise from the lift shaft, so they run back over there. There has never been so much motion on the floor going back and forth between these two areas of the roof. Because they don't run across the, the department floor all the time. No, no, no. But they're, they're going back and forth between these two areas of the roof. But I was thinking about um, this. They built a special set for the scene. They used it once. Right. Well, I, no. This is the same one from um, by appointment when they went up to the roof to see the queen, and I'm sure that some other show also reused. Oh this yeah, no, that, it's true. It's true. But I'm thinking right. with the by appointment they were in Rumbold's office, but it doesn't matter. But anyway, the point is, um, someone spent a lot of money on this thing, and it's kind of boring to see them all standing there on a very right. blank. So I guess, like, have them run back and forth to give the camera something to shoot. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, Rumbold is standing on top of the lift, and they see at the top of the lift shaft. So he's trying to tell them to come back to work. They give him another two-finger salute. And then the fuse on the lift is blown, and Rumbold is stuck on the roof. Did you catch the Margaret Thatcher reference that he made about how we all need to, like... Oh, yes. Tighten our belt string, our belts, and we need to... Um, think about and we'll, Greater Britain or something. And we'll see th- see ourselves through to good times. Yeah, quoting Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, and it's so interesting how, like, Rumble would be totally a Tory guy, love Margaret Thatcher. And yep. meanwhile, the working people are expected to do more with less, you know. Yep, exactly. Yeah, very interesting. So they then they see there's smoke coming through the ventilator shaft and the building is on fire. Right, so they start to panic because they don't know how to escape. They take the board off the door, and smoke fills the doorway. What do they do next? Oh no! Um, the sirens that they heard were not the police; it was the fire brigade who comes to save them. So a fireman comes up, and Mrs. Silken pushes her way to the front of the crowd to <laughs> yeah. get saved first. <laughs> and the fireman shouts down, "Bert, we're going to need the stronger ladder." So then she runs <laughs> away in shame, which is so sad. Yeah. Um, the fireman was played by Martin Cochran, who was in Sutherland's Law and High Road, oh. uh, two uh, one-series shows on the BBC in the 80s. Okay. It turns out that the packing department had knocked over a gas ring and set the bargain basement on fire. Oh. So there's some good news, because so now young Mr. Grace can't send them down to the basement. Okay. And when Mr. Humphreys makes his way to the front of the line, he recognizes the fireman. It's the Benedictine monk. <gasps> From the right paper dart that he, he yeah. accidentally sent when he was in uh, kindergarten. Yeah. And Mr. Humphreys jumps into his arms, and it's the end of the show. And not only that, but then, like, the fireman picks him up and puts him over his shoulder as if he's too weak to go down the stairs. And right, he's like a damsel in exactly. distress. It's so cute. <laughs> he said something like, what have you been, what have you been doing all this since, since we last met when, in kindergarten? And he says, I'll tell you on the way down. Right. <laughs> so cute. Love him. Um, what'd you think of this episode? Um, like a couple of the other episodes in season eight, it was cute, but it's just, it's yeah. still, it's still canon for Brandon. Don't yep. worry. But, um, yeah, it's just. It, it's, I think it was less blah than the previous three episodes, <laughs> but, um, not not an e-slapper. Yeah, I mean, I love the very end. Like, oh, I'll tell you on the way down. It's you from the Benedict. You know, that was really cute. Um, just you and I chewing the fat. Like, we came up with a couple of better ideas, I think. But uh, kind of what I was getting to earlier is they've been doing this for like eight, nine, ten years at this point. And for a UK TV show, that's very unusual, right? It's a very long time. Yeah. yeah. So, and they already lost... Um, uh, Mr. S- Mr. Lucas, um, you know, it's it's tough to hold people's attention, and I, I don't know. Yeah. And they're going to lose Mr. Grossman, too, because this is his final episode. Well, he's looking for other work. We, we already confirmed, yeah. so. Yeah, and next week we get to meet Mr. Klein in the episode Heir Apparent, and that's the one where old Mr. Grace thinks that Mr. Humphreys is his long-lost son. That one is, of course, it's Mr. Humphreys, so of course I'm going to love it. Mr. Humphreys, yeah, John Inman in drag. So <laughs> what's not to love? Exactly. Um, so unanimous, if you have strong opinions about season eight or you want to let us know about your favorite charity mm. or you've got something to say about throwing a paper dart down to the uh, 
uh, down to the ground floor. You can get in touch with us on Facebook or on Twitter or write us an old-fashioned email at that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com. Or you can call us on the Peacock hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That's 662-732-2625. And with that unanimous, you've, you've all, all done, done very well. well. Bye. Bye. That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? If the fire extinguisher is damaged or needs recharging, get it replaced immediately.